You're listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Eaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. Hey folks, Chris Heaton here with the latest episode of Standing Before the Mast. My guest for this episode is Ian Ridgway. Ian, along with Casey Blum, are co-founders of the FUEL program. That's F-U-E-L. FUEL stands for Foundation for Underway Experimental Learning. At the center of the FUEL program is the top sail schooner Shenandoah. Shenandoah was conceived, designed, and built by Captain Robert Douglas and she has a long history of providing memorable sailing experiences for thousands of people. Ian and Casey with the FUEL program look to continue that legacy. Led by Ian, Casey, and a team which includes captains, crew members, and voyage guides, Shenandoah now operates as a nonprofit educational sailing vessel. Here's a bit from their website about the FUEL program. FUEL helps young people learn to harness their energy while igniting sparks for learning and life in a novel, supportive, and stimulating environment. Ian and Casey both have extensive sailing experience as captains on the Shenandoah and Alabama. Ian has a degree in environmental studies and a U.S. Coast Guard 500-ton Ocean Master's license. I thank Ian for taking the time to meet with me in their office in Vineyard Haven on a beautiful, warm October afternoon. For more information, you can visit fuelprogram.org. That's F-U-E-L-P-R-O-G-R-A-M dot O-R-G. I hope you enjoy our talk, and I'll be back at the end with some additional notes and links. Okay, Ian, welcome. Hi. Thanks for joining me. I'm here with Ian Ridgway, co-founder and executive director and captain of Fuel. What is Fuel? Well, FUEL stands for Foundation for Underway Experiential Learning. Bit of a mouthful, but it is a nonprofit organization um, that was formed for the purpose of giving youth life-changing experiences on board a sailing ship. How was it formed? How was FUEL formed? So in 2014, 15, I um, started, you know, kind of formulating the idea of uh, creating this organization along with Casey Blum. And we, you know, sort of were looking around at the existing programs in the, you know, tall, tall ship sailing world. And uh, Casey has a tremendous amount of experience in outdoor education. And we felt that there was a little bit of room for growth in terms of the programming that existed in the sphere of outdoor education and you know the the potential for programming on board a tall ship and um, so we created uh, fuel the the organization was officially created in 2017 that's when we got our um, tax exempt status as a 501c3 and um, have been working you know towards fulfilling uh, the mission of fuel ever since and how how are you funded is it completely from donations and or the program itself yeah we generate income through um tuition uh from students participating in our program and through uh donations from individuals families foundations businesses i always associated the shenandoah with the black dogs is, is it still part of that or is it you're under completely under your control now 
Yeah, so Shenandoah actually even predates the Black Dog. The ship was designed and built by Captain Robert Douglas of Vineyard Haven, who uh, had this vision for a mid-19th century sailing ship and had her built up in Maine in South Bristol in 1960s, and she was launched in 64. And he brought her down here to Vineyard Haven to do week-long cruises and you know to bring people aboard this ship and expose them to really another way of life and, and a piece of our history. And the Black Dog formed in the 70s, and um, that that brand sort of became, you know, so big that they, they kind of rebranded Shenandoah as like a black, one of the Black Dog tall ships. But she was donated to our organization in 2020, and that was part of a plan for a generational transition um, as Captain Douglas was, you know, reaching his 90s and um, interested in preserving the mission of Shenandoah, we came to them with a proposal about donating the ship to us because we believed we could we could get the program going mm-hmm. again. And this was following the summer of COVID when, when everything was shut down. Uh, she needed major work, and we believed we could get the, the funding together to, to do that work and, and restart the programming. So is, he, is, is Captain Douglas involved with Fuel, or is he... I saw him listed on your website. Yeah, Captain Douglas is an advisor. We have an advisory board with, I'd, uh, I think, about 10 people on it. And he and I speak at least once a week. He's very much involved as a mentor to Casey and me and um, as an advisor and expert on Shenandoah. He's an invaluable resource for us. Mm. I noticed also you have on, on listed on your website new ship in the works. And uh, one of the names I know, a couple of the naval architects' names jumped out at me as folks I know. And it's going to be a a completely different vessel. I mean, she's steel for starters. Is that correct? Yeah. So the new ship was designed by Bob himself, who, as I mentioned, also designed and built Shenandoah. And, you know, as, as a dreamer, shortly after Shenandoah was built and he began sailing the ship, he kind of started to imagine you know how she could be improved upon and what he would do differently if he had another chance and through that exercise this new ship was born and and he's had the plans for Shenandoah's successor for now you know over 40 years she's undergone a few different iterations over that time and he handed those plans on to us with the hope that you know, we could get the new ship built and and create a, um, you know, a long-term and sustainable future for Shenandoah's mission on board that ship. Um, I mean, it's different in that it's steel. I think to, to most people, if you saw the ships next to each other, you wouldn't know the difference at all. They're both rigged wow. as topsail schooners. They're both about the same size. But the new ship is very different in that it can offer – it can do a lot more than Shenandoah can. I noticed for one thing, she'll have auxiliary power. Right. <laughs> that uh, changes a lot of things. It absolutely does. I mean, it's there's few people who could, you know, have experience, you know, steering like a, a ship like that that can really fathom the immense change that happens when you take an engine out of the picture, you know, Shenandoah not having an engine. I mean, her yawl boat can push her in and out of the harbor in – 
no more than 15 knots of headwind and as long as the seas are really very flat but in most conditions that we experience here day to day um, year round the yawl boat is not you know useful and so Shenandoah has to sail on and off her anchor and in and out of every harbor she visits 99 percent of the time and that's you know a really magical part of Shenandoah as an experience Um, it's so rare and you know different to operate that way but it also means that you can't have a schedule you can't have an itinerary you can't promise to be anywhere on a certain date unless you you know employ a tugboat but those that's three hundred dollars an hour um, from the time the tugboat leaves the dock till they get back so yeah, the exciting thing about having the new vessel fully powered is that, you know, it offers opportunities to do a lot more and to be much more accessible, you know, to come in and be dockside so the public can get aboard and parents and students can see the ship before they go sailing on it and um, also to be able to visit ports all over the world. Oh, right. Yeah. It's ocean going capable. Right. It looks like you, you break down your trips into different groups. You have youth, school groups. University, where they could, I guess, earn college credits, mm-hmm. um, an all-ages category, young adults, and then private charters. For the students, is there a curriculum that you follow? Yeah, each cohort is a little bit different, but the majority of our programming is with kids between the age of like 9 and 17. We had actually a couple as young as 7 on board the ship uh, last summer, but you know, we, we start at nine mostly because kids younger than that are not ready to be away for a week from their parents. But the curriculum is um, based around three central pillars. One is personal development, which is probably the biggest focus of our, you know, our programming and our mission. The second one is environmental stewardship, which is, you know, pretty self-explanatory. And the third is mariner competency. And that a lot of that happens just by being on board the ship and learning how to, na- you know, navigate every day, coming up and down the ladders and getting water from a hand pump and, you know, raising the sails, raising the anchor to go sailing, coiling down lines to keep the deck safe. Um, so those are the three pillars of the curriculum, and everything that we do on board the ship relates back to those three pillars for the students' experience. They have like a workbook that they complete throughout the week. There's a lot of guided reflection that they do in small groups with staff. And we also do some activities with the whole group, with everybody on board the ship. We do trips ashore. We um, try to sail, you know, every day that we can. And it's a very rich experience for sure. Is it an overnight experience? Then they're on the boat for the whole time frame yeah that's right so they get on the boat usually monday morning and sail with us until saturday afternoon so they're spending every night aboard the ship all their meals are cooked and served aboard and yeah it is a true adventure they get get to leave home and go out on the high seas and experience the ocean and a sailing ship what obviously you have a captain but what size crew the professional side of it are, are you operating with versus the the guests Yeah, we usually sail with about nine crew. So captain, first mate, chef, that would be an additional six uh, or seven voyage guides, um, as we refer to them, which are the crew on board the ship that sleep in the forecastle. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a good-sized crew. Yeah. I mean, Shenandoah is 
heavy, heavy gear, heavy spars, big sails. It's um, there's no winches on board the ship, so everything is done with block and tackle. Um, the, the windlass is manual, mm -hmm. um, so it, it takes a lot of physical energy to sail the ship, and um, and especially with 30 students on board, um, you know, there's a, a big need for guidance and supervision for those. Right. I mean, we couldn't hoist Shenandoah's mainsail with less than eight people minimum. I mean, really, like, s strong, capable people, eight could potentially get the job done, but... What does it weigh? Um, that's a good question. I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to tally up. I mean, I know what... It's probably about a little over 2,000, 2,500 pounds, maybe about there. That's, that's about right. It said that sometimes the cost uh, for a student to come aboard is based on the, um, the family's ability to pay, I guess, is a good way to put it. Is that How, do, how does that work? Yeah, so we just in 2022 introduced a sliding scale payment system. And the top, so there's six price points and a sort of framework for families. The top price is the actual cost of the program. Um, in other words, to have, you know, what would the ship need to generate every week with 30 students? What would the cost per child be so that the ship could, you know, uh, break even and continue programming. So that's where we arrived at the, the top price, the actual cost. And then all the prices, the five price points below that are discounts, which we're able to offer because of our ongoing, you know, fundraising and, and constituents that make annual donations. Um, so I think each year we give away about a quarter million dollars in discounts, which allows families that can't pay at the top tier to still participate. And those prices are a framework. So you'll see like at the bottom, it'll say, you know, if your household earns between X income and Y income, you know, this is you. And if and the next price up is a different income level. But those are just a framework. So we, we really encourage families, you know, that the we don't want the cost to be a barrier to anybody. Mm -hmm. We want everyone who wants to be able to, wants to sail on the ship to be able to. And that's worked pretty well. I mean, we've we've added, we've given further discounts, you know, below the, the tiers that we offer and um, been able to make it work with every family so far. And I also saw that participants um, receive qualified sea time. Is that for everybody? So that if, if maybe somebody's older is looking at getting their captain's license, they can they can count this time aboard. Yeah, and you just reminded me that I need to uh, send out uh, sea time letters for all our participants last summer. But <laughs> yeah, the the sea time is mostly to encourage students to think about maritime careers and help them understand how you know you would start on a on a path towards a maritime career, which is with sea time, so that you can obtain licenses. You know, ultimately, it's it's up to the Coast Guard what sea time would be would qualify towards a license. Um, but for st students, you know, that are um, below eighteen, most most likely that you know wouldn't wouldn't count. But for for those that are, since it is a training program, um, it most likely would. What are the expectations of participation uh, once they're aboard? Uh, is this isn't a cruise, even though they're they're paying for it, but how do you get that message across? 
Yeah, you know, we don't have too much trouble getting students to buy into the program and the experience and to help out and, and participate. That's sort of the nature of being on board a ship. I mean, there's so much work happening around you from the minute you get on board with the crew loading up all the provisions for the week and getting the boat ready to sail. There's just always so much activity. And to be, you know, a passenger that's not participating at all, I think is usually kind of uncomfortable because there's just so much happening. So right. people tend to lean into the experience, whether it's kids or adults. Um, generally, they, they want to help. They want to get involved. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, although we've never, like, I've never tried specifically in our marketing to address that as, like, you know, this is a hands-on experience you're expected to help. I think it's I think it's sort of self-evident in in what people see on board our website. A quick funny story, though. We did have a student just this last summer um, say to Casey, the the other uh, co-founder of Fuel, and she was like, come on, we need to get all these lines coiled down. You know, we're sailing. It's time to help. And he said something like, my parents didn't, or or I didn't pay $1,300 to come out here and do chores. Oh. And Casey's response was, actually, you did, (laughs) (laughs) which I think I will always remember because, yeah, like that is the experience to get involved, to do hard work, to face new challenges, to learn new things. Like, that's why you're here. Right. My wife's British and I could see her saying that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a very, (laughs) a very direct response. That that is funny. I was going to say ask you what the typical itinerary of a voyage might look like but you just you sort of answered that earlier on when you said because of the nature of Shenandoah not having an auxiliary uh, you don't really have a tip I suppose it's not very typical yeah we don't have uh, like you know an itinerary where Monday night we're going to go here and then Tuesday night we're going to go there and that's definitely challenging for people to wrap their heads around everyone's always curious because it's a sailing adventure where where are you going to go but the truth is we we really don't know and that's part of the magic of it i mean usually all our food is loaded up by the middle of the day on monday and we go for a sail that afternoon and try to leave vineyard haven and go to our first destination for the week but that doesn't always pan out there were a handful of mondays this summer where it this strange weather pattern kept repeating where on Monday of like three weeks in a row, it was just blowing like 25 to 30. And we don't, we don't go out in 25 knots with it, especially on day one of a cruise with <laughs> welcome to Shenandoah. <laughs> yeah. With 30 students that have never been sailing before. Um, so, you know, we'll hang on the morning and if the wind dies by the evening, we'll put the yawl boat in and push out to the outer Harbor. And it's like, all right, the, the journey's begun. And, you know, if the if there's a breeze in the morning Tuesday, maybe we'll leave first thing in the morning Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But it's sailing the boat is very much improvisational. It's kind of like, you know, a musician taking a, a solo. It's like there's a there's a framework of chords that you're playing within that the notes are all relate back to, but you're you really have to make it up as you go. And it's the same. It's uh it's part of the fun of sailing Shenandoah and also a big part of the, the anxiety too. You know, you gotta, you gotta get to a safe Harbor each night and put the boat in a place where it's not only going to be comfortable for the students and safe, but that you'll be able to sail out of again the following day. 
and not be stuck with an onshore wind and all your anchor chain out, hoping, hoping and praying that the anchor doesn't start dragging. So it takes careful planning, but it's also uh, a lot of fun. Definitely. It's challenging. Bob used to go to Newport with Shenandoah a lot, and there wasn't a mooring field there at that point. He would just sail up and anchor off of what used to be called Christie's Wharf. Right. Oh, real early days then. Yeah. yeah. Before the harbor got developed. Right. Yeah. And he said you could anchor, you know, 100 feet off the dock, run passengers in and spend the night and then sail back out of there. You know, now it's there's so much traffic in, in Narragansett Bay, for one thing, but then you know, there's really nowhere to anchor inside the harbor. People sometimes say, oh, you know, you can anchor out where the cruise ships are, but that's you know, totally exposed and yeah. in the tide. And so Shenandoah hasn't been to Newport in a long time, but um, got to get down there one of these days. I've, I've seen Alabama in a couple of times. Yeah. 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 Speaking of which, Alabama features somewhat prominently on your in your photos on your website. Is, is that part of the program at all, or is that like a spillover vessel? Yeah, um, well, Alabama's very dear to my heart and Casey's heart. We both, you know, sailed on her for many years. Um, Casey first went sailing on Alabama when she was nine, you know, climbed through the ranks and became the first female captain and also the youngest captain on Alabama when she was, I think, 23. I also uh, skippered Alabama for six years, so I have a very dear affinity for that ship and Last year when our Shenandoah was racing to get out of the shipyard, we did our first two cruises of the season on Alabama. That worked out timing-wise that they mm -hmm. were, you know, the boat wasn't sailing yet for the season. And, um, we, oh man, we actually left Mystic, raced back here, and brought, like, a few crew with us and just went to work rigging the boat up and getting it ready and then welcomed students on, like, a few days later. <laughs> Didn't have time to paint anything, but we got the boat rigged up and the sails on, and and we did two cruises, our first university voyage and um, a trip with the Oak Bluff school students on Alabama. So there's some photos and stuff. And oh, that from was that what I saw then on the yeah. website. Yeah. Well, you've only been going a couple of years, but there are there was a video on the website, and there was some sort of a testimonial uh, by people who've come back to the program. Um, you see that as a pattern that people will eagerly return? Yeah, I mean, in our first year, we I mean, so the program for fuel, the programs that we're running didn't start from scratch. I mean, the, the university program is something new that we started. Um, but we inherited, you know, Shenandoah's schedule and her programs. So there was a big backlog the first year of students because – in 2020, the ship didn't sail due to COVID, and so all the trips were canceled. And so that first summer was jam-packed, and, you know, we hoped that the programming would be meaningful enough, and we definitely made significant updates to the curriculum and, and put a lot of time into training the staff to, you know, deliver a, a really special experience for these kids um, or meaningful experience. So, yeah, thankfully, in the second year, we saw a lot of, you know, we were just as, we had just as high numbers. We had, I think, over 300 people participate in week-long cruises this sum, this past summer. Yeah, I'm already getting, we're already getting emails for, for next summer. We haven't put the schedule up yet, but parents are eager to sign their kids up. So, it looks definitely like it's on the uptick. Now, how does this, from, from the university 
perspective or the college level where you it said something about offering credits. How does that compare to a program such as C semester or something like that? that that's a, a name people are familiar with. Yeah. So the university programs that we're offering now are just um, week in duration, and it's it partnered with University of New Hampshire, so all the students are from UNH. Although that's we can have students from other schools too, but all their credits are going to be through UNH. Um, and it's a tall ship sailing course that UNH is offering that we designed and is being taught on board the ship, and they're getting two credits. They're on the ship for you know that entire duration. For our semester voyages that we are um, planning for the new ship, yeah, they'll be very similar. They will be similar to existing programs where students are on board for a whole semester and have the opportunity to get a full semester of college credits. Um, that'll be through a school of record that provides the transcripts. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it does, yeah. There was a very interesting quote on the website that I'd not seen before, but you, you sort of touched on it before about the students getting into the sort of a reflective mode uh, aboard the boat. So the quote is, uh, neuroscientists and psychologists add that the ocean and wild waterways are a wellspring of happiness and relaxation, sociality and romance, peace and freedom, play and creativity, learning and memory, innovation and insight, elation and nostalgia, confidence and solitude, wonder and awe, empathy and compassion, reverence and beauty, and help manage trauma, anxiety, sleep, autism, addiction, fitness, attention, focus, stress, grief, PTSD, and build personal resilience and much more. And that was by Wallace J. Nichols. That's a loaded quote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that's um, there's a he wrote an amazing book called Blue Mind, which is about the emerging neuroscience that is in you know indicates that human beings benefit tremendously from interacting with water, being on or near it, being playing in it, um, hearing it even from a fountain nearby. Yeah, there's more and more. I mean, the neuroscience field is very exciting. There's so much emerging new information about how our minds work, but uh, it seems that being on the water is incredibly beneficial for people. And, you know, it's one of those things that you hear that and you're not surprised. I mean, everybody enjoys like going to the beach or going to the lake or, you know, some people are afraid of the water. Not everybody enjoys actually being in a boat on the water, but even taking a bath or a shower. I mean, these are these are therapeutic like moments in our days or times where we can reflect and you know, feel, get, I guess, have a, a change of state, you know, mm. um, from our regular day-to-day -day narrative in our heads. So, yeah, I mean, in my experience, absolutely. And, and Jay Nichols is a, is a friend and, um, we've done a couple things together, but he said, Shenandoah is like a f awe factory. It's like a place where somebody is having these constant, or if not numerous, at least numerous um, moments of awe and wonder. And those experiences are actually really important for our mental health. Um, awe leads directly to empathy. Um, seeing, you know, a, a lightning storm come through or a big double rainbow after, after the rain clears 
those moments of awe where you're just blown away by nature and, and what it can do um, help build empathy, which is, you know, one of the most important things that humanity needs, you know, going forward. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really special environment for growth to be out on the water on a ship like that. You asked me about, you know, the podcast. Uh, the one I did, I think, a couple episodes back was a friend of mine who's a captain of a 12-meter uh, intrepid in Newport, Mike. Uh, I'd wanted to interview him just to get his stories because he had some he had some good stories and he, he wasn't really into it and then he called me up one day and said hey i think i've got something and and he was right he's part of this group called sail to win and they take uh, wounded veterans and they pair them with professional sailors this is they're just launching the program and i got to go out with them on intrepid and meet a couple of the guys and you know they said some some guys really want to get involved for other guys, just being on the boat, it really helps them uh, more so than some of the things that they've been trying on land. Yeah. You know? So their their goal is is a little more aggressive. It's not just to get guys out on a boat and make them feel better. It's to go out and compete and win, which they talk about in the podcast. But it it's amazing how much it it's helped some of these folks. Yeah, I I am I'm definitely a believer. Uh, so your let's talk about your background. You have a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Studies, 500-ton license, and um, how did you how did you get into sailing? Were you as a young child or? Yeah, my parents after they split up, we moved to Martha's Vineyard, and uh, I happened to be a fifth grader here, and that's the the age group that Shenandoah historically has mostly sailed with. So I was in. Uh, class, a cohort. Um, I went to Tisbury School and went to go out on, got to go out on the boat for a week. And, um, you know, I was a very high energy kid. I really didn't thrive in a classroom setting. It was actually a very difficult environment for me because I just had so much energy and so much sitting still is required in the classroom every day, day in and day out. So like, you know, my teachers at a young age were trying to get my parents to put me on Ritalin. I spent more time in the um, principal's office than I did in the classroom, I think, in first grade. I knew I could tell you probably still the exact turn, every turn in the hallway to get from my classroom to the principal's office. And when I went on Shenandoah, it was a really eye-opening experience for me because not only was it a novel environment um, where everything is new and very exciting, but it was a place where my energy was really valued and useful. And um, there's always a task to be done and always um, something to do with my energy and enthusiasm. And, and so it was a place that really helped me start to believe in myself and the value that I could add. And so I could, you know, I, I didn't want to leave Shenandoah after that experience. I was eager to be on board as much as possible. And the ship used to come into the dock every weekend to fill up on water and turn, turn over for the next trip. And I would be down at the dock when the ship came in and they would let me come on board and help them like clean. And so the captain noticed my enthusiasm and invited me back aboard. And I got an uh, opportunity to sail on the boat at a young age, um, sort of as a junior crew member, mostly because they just couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> um, Perseverance. Yes. They still can't get rid of me. 
Um, so yeah, I climbed through the ranks. Um, Bob Douglas became a really, you know, important person in my life and a mentor to me still is. And I learned to sail under his, uh, mentorship and leadership. And yeah, it, it was, uh, really, really life-changing for me. Now, didn't, um, Captain Douglas's kids, they had, they were captains or one or two of them were, right? Yeah, they've, I think he, his wife, and all four sons at one point had their um, 100-ton Coast Guard license. Oh, wow. So uh, Morgan has captained Alabama. Jamie has captained Alabama. Brooke and Rob, the other two sons, have both worked on Shenandoah um, with Bob. So, yeah, their family has been very much tied to Shenandoah for, you know, it's their whole lives. So how did we get from uh, being a persistent person that wanted to be on Shenandoah to getting your Bachelor of Science in Environmental Studies? Well, I followed the uh, traditional track. Once once um, I became a teenager and started to gain more confidence on Shenandoah as, you know, a young officer on board the boat as like a bosun. And then um, my senior year of high school, I think I was the mate on that on Shenandoah. My school really, uh, my experience in school started to turn around because I, I really started to believe, you know, I knew I could do hard things and I knew I could, if I applied myself, probably do okay in school. So I, I remember going back one year after being a C and D student since kindergarten and just signing up for all honors classes. Wow. And, <laughs> and I, and I did fine in all those classes and turned, you know, turned my GPA around and then applied to school and went to the university of Oregon and, um, yeah, got a, a bachelor in uh, environmental studies, which was mostly cause those were the classes that interested me the most. Right. I've always been passionate about, uh, humans impact on, on the planet and about, you know, the um, awesomeness of, of nature and being in nature so yeah, and then um, recently I upgraded my captain's license. I had the sea time, which you know the Coast Guard's changing the the stipulations all the time. But right now, and when I upgraded my license, if you had your license and were an officer on board a ship for a certain amount of time, you could go for a higher tonnage. Because I never actually spent any time on vessels over a hundred tons, but I studied and and uh, took the tests and upgraded the license. I think it was two years ago now so excited about that yeah that whole process changed dramatically all the guys that i grew up with and got their licenses did it the old-fashioned way where they collected their own documents at sea time and then went and sat for a test yeah at the coast guard and now it's you seem to take a class with a, a training facility they give you a module you pass the module i guess and then you move on and yeah and so on and so forth until you get your license it's still you still have to go and sit for the tests all at once in boston for the 500 ton oh, yeah. And, and, and above. Um, but yeah, I, I think the entry point for 100 ton licenses has gotten a lot better. Mm. I mean, I, I think it's great that it's a easier, more sensible path to, to getting that license. Um, and the yeah, the 500 ton license, like academically, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. It really, really? was a lot to, you know, to learn all that celestial problem solving. And then celestial navigation problem solving and all the you know taking i think it was like seven modules or something and you just had to go up there and do it till you passed them all wow but it's uh it's great we need more with big licenses you know mm -hmm. in our country we need more people in the maritime industries so you kind of already answered this question i guess because you're taking reservations for next year or you're getting inquiries for, for next year the boat doesn't go south it stays up here 
as we notice when we come into the harbor on the ferry, you, there's no plans to have delivery down south or keep the program going year round. Yeah, that is the plan with the new ship to um, to operate year round and do semester voyages during the academic year. It's a really important part of um, a sustainable business model, right. you know, to be able to generate income year round. But Shenandoah has always just been laid up in the winter, and you know, she's. I mean, she's been Bob's life's work for 56 years. It's His whole life has revolved around her. But in some ways, and I don't say this to diminish what he's done with Shenandoah in any way, but it's it's been sort of like a hobby, you know, for him. And, you know, now we're trying to, like, institutionalize the program, and it's going to need to generate, you know, significant income or have significant donor support to be able to, to have a sustainable long-term future. And so, so year-round um, programming is, I think, really important to that. But, sh- but that's one of the limitations with Shenandoah. She's, you know, can't be licensed to go offshore. She has to stay within 20 miles of a harbor and is really best suited for the programming that she does, these week-long cruises, because not having an engine, I mean, it's not you need you need to be in a stretch of coastline where there's lots of options for where you can go and you also need to have the right conditions to be able to sail with the yawl boat you know in any kind of big seas that could become dangerous because it could get carried away um, off the stern of the boat and so yeah it's not optional for Shenandoah to be used is Shenandoah an inspected vessel she is is, yeah sailing in that and I assume because he uh, Captain Douglas designed or her keel was laid in U.S. waters so there's n- no need for a waiver to the Jones Act or anything like that and the new boat will be built in America I would imagine um, not necessarily. necessarily we're yeah. actually looking at a shipyard in Nova Scotia um, okay. that we like but there is a special exception to the Jones Act for sailing school vessels SSV ah. um, where they are actually allowed to be built out of the country and still operate as an American flagged vessel. So yeah, we do have that opportunity uh, to build elsewhere. The best resource for folks who want to learn more is your website, I imagine. Is that yeah. the best portal? Yeah. And you know, some people jump on Instagram that our Instagram is fuel program, um, but our website is fuelprogram.org. And yeah, there's pretty much, I mean, you should be able to find the answers to any of your questions on our website. And if not, our contact information is there. So you can I like that you had a, it looked like almost an alumni directory where so you could somebody, I don't know if you log in, but you could connect with someone that you may have sailed with in the past. That's a very unique feature. I wish more people would um, take advantage of it. We, I, <laughs> Shenandoah has had such a long um, history and so many crew and so many passengers. I mean, we've estimated over 17,000 people have you know, wow. spent at least a week on board that ship. So if you've ever sailed on Shenandoah, please do visit the <laughs> alumni tab on our website and fill in your information because, yeah, the goal is to collect – to connect people with their past shipmates. And we can do that because as you'll see on the website, it'll ask what years you sailed on the boat and in what capacity. Mm. So it actually automatically categorizes everybody that um, fills out the form. And the, the whole uh, point of that is to be able to, you know, um, tap into this huge community and, and connect with our past shipmates. Yeah, that's a great idea. Thank well, you. thanks again for your time. I really yeah. appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Really enjoyed this. That was my talk with Ian Ridgeway captain and co-founder of the fuel program.
One thing that I wanted to reiterate, uh, if you go to their website, that's F-U-E-L-P-R-O-G-R-A-M.org. If you ever have sailed on the Shenandoah, Ian encourages you to go to the alumni tab and uh, put in your information. That way you can connect with someone you may have sailed with at one point. The other thing I wanted to mention was there's a book that I happened to pick up before I left the island called My Shenandoah by Douglas Cabral. I started reading it right away, and I can highly recommend it. It gives you the whole history of the vessel Shenandoah, as well as a profile on the man, Captain Robert Douglas, who conceived, designed, and built her. And once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Heaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.